physiological function you know it's, it's happening now not you don't have to create it or imagine it and you're breathing wherever you are you know so you're you know whether you're in a peaceful place or a warlike place and then and then also it, it is uh, it brings you into the present it'll stop the thinking the wandering mind you know you concentrate on the breath and you to do that you have to you know you have to stop thinking and so it's a way of, of focusing on something that's happening right now that is not going to you know get caught up in kind of your ego about you know your ego isn't really involved with breathing and so uh, it's not about really how good you breathe or breathing better than somebody else it's just like this inhaling, exhaling. It also as a concentration object, as a samatha practice, it, it leads it calming. You tend to go into tranquil states, very refined you know, into more refined uh, conscious experiences because it it because it you know, as you concentrate on the breath uh, and and you stop the wandering mind from getting carried away, then you it will lead toward uh, tranquility. And then uh, as a vipassana, as a vipassana object, it's, it's uh, you know, the insight practices, it, it's the pattern of all conditioned phenomena, you know, it's the rising ceasing. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, that's what all conditioned phenomena are like, you know, that's the, the pattern, what arises ceases. And, and then inhaling is like this, and you can only inhale so long, and then you have to exhale. So, and, and then I, I noticed when I was developing anapanasati, you know, I found out it's easy to concentrate, to keep the concentration on the inhalation, but the exhalation, the mind tends to wander off. And I noticed that, you know, how uh, somehow this was a, a pattern. Of, I found it quite simple to be aware of the full inhalation, but the exhalation, I noticed the, the mind tend to wander away. And just noticing that, you can see so much of just the pattern of, say, you know, how we like inspiration, or we want happiness and inspiration and youth and, and uh, all the good things. And then when it goes the other way, we tend to look for something else to, you know, so in, in uh, Vipassana or in insight practice you're looking at the way things are and so you, you're beginning to notice that this pattern uh, you know, how much of emphasis in modern life is about youth and success and, and uh, uh, good health and beauty and all this and, and, and then uh, and how much Ignored or unwanted information about old age, sickness, and death is, you know, that, because that doesn't inspire the mind. 
You know, we don't. You know, most people don't look forward to old age and sickness and death, what we dread. So, so then the, the Buddha, you know, is putting so much emphasis on this other side, on old age, sickness and death, because that's where we tend to lose our, you know, we, we tend to be most blind, most ignorant. And uh, then the, the breath is just noticing that myself, how, how uh, you know, the, the tendency to always seek when something reached an unpleasant phase, you know, when it's inspiring, everything going well, and then, then when things aren't inspiring, when things are, you know, falling apart, how then one looks for something else, like another inspiration or a distraction. So you you're contemplating this rebirth process, how mental it is, you know, how we're seeking rebirth all the time in, in something that, like, a, a sensory pleasure, or distracting the mind with watching television, or, or doing something when we're bored, or uh, frightened, or anxious. We want to get away from that, so we tend to, to, to distract the mind, or seek rebirth in some other condition that is sens uh, maybe sensually pleasing or exciting or interesting, and then then you can't sustain that. You know, when something interesting eventually becomes boring, and then we tend to drop it there and look for something else. So, and, and just observe that, like in a monastic life, you know, you have a lot of boredom to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite deliberate, you know, intentionally boring way to live, because then you're encouraged to, you know, rather than try to spice it up and make it interesting, you, you're actually learning to endure to the, where boredom ceases, you know, then you begin to find the balance between, you know, you, don't, you are no longer dependent on <coughs> having interesting things to do or becoming something. But like the, the, the body itself, like your physical body, so you have the sitting, standing, walking, lying down postures. Uh, in, especially in teaching meditation, you begin with this because you're trying to get people to to pay attention to that which is here and now, before it gets too personal, like posture, uh, like sitting. It, it, we're not emphasizing the perfect posture, you know, that you have to try to get, but just sitting or standing, walking, lying down as kind of ordinary movements that you do through the, the day and night throughout your life, and and uh, then you. And it's a way of bringing attention to the body that isn't vain, or trying to exploit it in some way, make it into something else, but observe, like sitting, the experience of sitting is like this. So you, you're observing the body sitting rather than trying to, uh, maybe, you, maybe you have an ideal of how good posture, and you're always trying to make your body do that. But, uh, and so then the posture becomes caught up with the, with the ego. But the important thing is this, is use the body as an object because it's here and now. 
the breath is here and now. And as you reflect like this more and more, you, you stop this tendency to just be caught up in thinking, analyzing, criticizing. And that's where, you know, the, like, doubt comes from always uh, thinking about things and, and uh, trying to analyze and figure everything out. Where in the personal meditation, you're just bringing attention here to the way it is, such, uh, such as something fairly, uh, you know, the reality of now is the body's like this, the breathing is like this. Then you have like the uh, like the four foundations of mindfulness, where you have like the jitta or the feeling, the vedana. Uh, you know, so you, you become you begin to notice uh, pleasurable, painful, and neutral feeling just on the physical level. And and the, when I started doing this, you know, like usually aware of pleasurable and painful, but neutral physical feeling I, w I never paid much attention to. <laughs> so, so I started be, just noticing neutral sensations like the way the, the robe touches the skin or something that's neither pleasant nor painful, but it's certainly, it's, you know, it's neutral, but you certainly, you know, it's, you, you, once you pay attention, you see, you can recognize it, it's like this. Uh, just uh, one hand on top of the other, things that, uh, sensations that, uh, you know, you, one doesn't bother to pay attention to until they start becoming uncomfortable. So as you move toward that neutral way to not, you also start relaxing. You know, it's, it's not exciting or it's not... Uh, pleasurable so you aren't trying to hold it or you're not uh, uh, trying to get rid of pain and discomfort. But you know, so much of our experience as human beings throughout life is rather neutral. It's neither pleasant or painful, but it's like this. And then Titanupasana, uh, like I found that this was uh, like when I went to stay with Ajahn Chah, uh, he, he taught, you know, he instructed me a lot with that, with his observing the, the, the jitta or the, the mind itself. Because, uh, you know, when I came here, I didn't, I couldn't speak the language and nobody could speak English. So I had to, you know, there's a lot of uh, frustration. Uh, you know, trying to figure things out and feeling and various reactions that that I've had in regards to not understanding what's going on or misinterpreting or being frustrated, uh, and then I could easily misunderstand because Thai, you know, Thais react differently, and I could misunderstand and and get upset by something because. Of, uh, you know, I would think they were making fun of me or disparaging me. I get, I used to get quite paranoid. And then Ajahn Chah would, would, uh, you know, his whole method was of getting me to look at my feelings, which was, I could do, you know, I began to observe. So, that first year when I was learning the language was, uh, I did an enormous amount of 
Chitanupasana, because uh, you know, uh, there's so many kind of negative feelings I had to bear with, and and just trying to, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I, you know, before he he emphasized this, I didn't really know how to deal with it. So, uh, like I remember, uh, just little things, a lot of the rules and the. They they keep very strict uh, in our discipline. Well, I've never done anything like that, and then uh, and so I remember, um, you know, this respect for the teacher, and so you know, like in the when Ajahn Chah come back from alms round, you know, we'd be sitting in the dining hall, and and then we'd see him coming, and then. Maybe most of the monks would get up and run out to wash his feet, and then, and so I thought, well, there's plenty of monks doing that. I don't need to do that. And you know, uh, so I'd sit there, and then one of the monks said, "You should go out and wash Ajahn Chah's feet." And I, and I thought, "No, so many doing it. They don't need me. This is a American mind." <laughs> And then I became quite negative about it, so I'd see them, see this happening every morning, and and I'd sit there kind of fulminating, stupid, you know, look at what they're doing, you know, I'm not going to do that. And then, <laughs> and then one morning I had this insight, I saw how miserable I was, sitting there, thinking like that. So I got up and rushed out and helped wash Ajahn Chah's feet. <laughs> and of course, it stopped, you know, the suffering was gone. I didn't, you know, that was, even though I wasn't, you know, functionally needed to do that, at least I stopped this, this awful me mental, this negative uh, aversion to it. And, uh, so I mean, that was quite an insight for me because, you know, so easy, you know, for especially if you're not part of the culture, and uh, and you're from a different social background, different society. How, you know, you can form very strong views and critical attitudes about how you see what they're doing, and and so I I began to observe this. You know, this 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 uh, critic because I'm. I have a very critical mind. I could begin to observe it rather than just believing it or or feel guilty about being so critical. So that's jitanupatsana, you know, where you're observing the emotional reactions. And then then, then tamanupatsana is where you're really using the dhamma. You're seeing things in terms of dhamma, like Four Noble Truths, Dependent origination and all the rest. These, you're changing. You know the, these dhamma teachings. Then are, are you know the way that one. You use them to to. Uh, they help you to see things in in a in a dhamma way rather than from uh, personal assumptions or uh, emotional reactions or Western Western ways of. Thinking, sorry, like you're, you're actually. This word dhamma is 
Now, for me, the word itself, you know, really, before it was like a Pali word in Buddhism, and then you translate it as the truth or ultimate reality or things like this. But then, uh, so it, you know, oftentimes remained uh, like a, and then you, you, we tend to incorporate it into English context. Uh, we practicing the Dhamma and we take refuge in the Dhamma and things like this. But then uh, in Dhammanupasana, Sariputana, you start knowing Dhamma in a way that isn't isn't interpreted through uh, your own your your own language. And so then you 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 know the the reality is Dhamma. And, and it, reality isn't what somebody thinks it is. It's, it's, it has to be seen through wisdom rather than through perception. And so that's like a shift from, from the, you know, the uh, conditioned mind to the unconditioned, to awareness and mindfulness. <coughs> 